0: On this episode, I interviewed Sean Conley, who is a high performance specialist at Land Performance. I originally thought this episode was going to be a lot about basketball, but it kind of took a uh, interesting turn, I thought. We really talked about Sean's, his just his, his knowledge, he the principles he's developed, and then how he applies things in a practical way. So it is a pretty, pretty good episode for a lot of people here. So we started out with talking about how he kind of reasons through programming for players and identifying needs to construct that program. We talked about his main principles he uses for strength and conditioning. We talked about some commonalities that he sees in, in certain athletes that succeed versus ones that don't. Uh, we then talked about uh, his opinions and beliefs on how, spe- how specific exercises are that carry over and so on. We'll talk about any outcome measures, and then the use of plyos, as well as injuries within sports, and how strength and conditioning can help that in ways he does that. So, uh, great episode. Here it is. Welcome to No Weak Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date, evidence-based content and knowledge through your life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, strength and conditioning coaches, rehab professionals, or anyone in the sports performance or sports medicine industry. So, please... Have a listen and I hope you enjoy. Links. I'm your host, Patrick Wood, and today I have on Sean Connolly, who is a high-performance specialist at Land Performance. So thank you very much for taking the time to be on. If you just want to maybe give a, a brief background on yourself uh, with education, past positions, et cetera, and how you kind of got in your area of interest, and then we can go in from there.
1: Yeah, right. Look, it's. Uh, t- I'll, tr- I'll try really hard to be brief, but I was... Um, I'm, I'm a high performance specialist now. Uh, and and I've, I've fallen into this, uh, type of work because I was a failed athlete when I was younger. I I failed in terms of, I had a, a major catastrophic knee injury when I was younger that, uh, kind of really shaped where I went from there. Um, and, and, fast forward, I, I, uh, went from, uh, hurting my knee and having a knee reconstruction when I was, when I was 15, to becoming the guy that people go and see when they have knee injuries or surgeons refer to when people have big uh, ACL injuries or anything like that. Uh, and I was always a big basketball fan. I played basketball growing up. I was playing relatively high level in Victoria where I where I grew up here in Australia. And, uh, and I just never really wanted to give it up. I just loved it too much. So I, I stayed in the in the world. I liked exercise science and, um, eventually, sort of followed the the hard path of um, the, the private sector route um, of, of of personal training, strength and conditioning, and um, I've worked with oh my goodness thousands of athletes in my career, but you know last sort of seven or eight years has primarily been basketball players uh, from you know junior to state, national, international level. Um, we just had one of our girls win the national title in Serbia for Serbia Red Star. So like we're the, the, the tentacles of the athlete of, of who I've worked with is, is night is growing around the world, which is really flattery because, you know, I, I genuinely am not going to be dressing any different. I'm going to be wearing sweaters and hoodies and, and whatnot. Uh, but to see them succeed is nothing but, uh, but fantastic, but it's, it you know, working with, Basketball players, uh, national and international athletes across sort of uh, uh, eight to nine Olympic level sports. Um, I just really am trying hard not to have a suit and tie job. I think, Patrick, that's okay. what I'm trying to do is stay away from the corporate grind.
0: Yeah, no, good summary. And I guess uh, maybe talk a little bit about kind of what you do at Land Performance and uh, I guess what a general, if there is a general day looks like and kind of what you do for your athletes there, and then we can kind of get into more of the, the questions on it.
1: Yeah, so my partner, Amber, <coughs> who, um, who was essentially the brainchild, like she, she came to me with this idea of opening a facility, and I'd always wanted to open a facility, but uh, she had the idea first. Mm -hmm. and uh we we because i I had trained and i still do i still train her today um for uh for here in the mbl1 and we we spent oh my goodness we we spent hundreds hundreds of dollars on coffees and sit downs and, and notes on paper napkins and whatnot to what we wanted to do with this facility and uh we eventually found the the spot we uh inked a deal uh towards the end of 20 ni- 2019 maybe what are we in 2021 yeah 2020 mm-hmm. 20, uh, 2019 and uh we started fitting out the facility started painting uh begrudgingly amber accepted my idea of of calling it the the land performance center she, she had no interest in having it named after her um but it just was the right fit you know and she's a wonderful human um incredibly passionate and and we we have so many similarities on so many levels and, and we challenge each other on other levels and we support each other on other levels so she's just a a wonderful and captivating human and uh she didn't like the idea but with all great things you know my ideas usually stick <laughs> and um we we opened it uh we were going to open it a day after uh, australia went into lockdown so mm-hmm. that sucked so hard uh so we had to sort of bite the bullet and we, we spent all this time setting up more equipment and painting and all sorts of crazy stuff but when we opened uh we and, and for what we do there now is uh we help craft shape inspire develop train uh athletes from a junior level uh whether it be you know ages of single numbers to adolescents to to our high performers and you know across the world and in uh, national levels um and it's amber uh, takes hold of the the junior ranks of the junior strength and conditioning she's very very good at it and uh, we have a youth fit program that is essentially develops younger level athletes, um, gets them moving better, gets them excited about the gym, and you know, you know, dispels all these awful myths about you know, weights stunting your growth. And it's apparent in the basketball basketballers that we work with because they're all freaking tall. Um, and then once they uh, kind of reach the end of that road of the youth fit programming and they want to sort of level up and, uh, look towards a h- higher level performance. Um, then they sort of, they, they make their way and they transition to me. Uh, but a normal day, we, we open super early, but the early birds come in and then throughout the day is, is private training, private one-on-ones, two-on-ones. Uh, and then that goes all the way through to the afternoon, um, with our, with the youth fit class, the, Group classes. We've we've got a a brand new round of interns. We've got four interns that are working with us that are essentially exercise science students and and coaches that we want to have job ready and have them in positions where when people see that they did an internship at Land, they they're just like, yeah, you're you're hired. Like we're we're shutting this down. So that's the goal is to to really give these guys and girls you know the 13 years I've had in the industry in six months and just to give them all that, give them everything. Right. Um, and then that goes all the way through to, to late at night. Just, it, it is a, it is a grind to train athletes all day, every day, but like, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Like I enjoy it. It's not a, it's not a challenge. It's, you know, you're, you're building relationships and getting results and seeing people get better. Like I don't see the the negatives in it. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great summary of the, how the facility got started and kind of a, a general day there. So appreciate that. Uh, I guess one thing that I like about uh, your content that I've been following is obviously you're no BS, straight to the point. Um, and I, I've seen kind of uh, how you outline your, or talk about outlining programs and certain principles you talk about. So if if maybe we just first start about kind of how you identify the needs of the, of the athlete and then kind of how you construct the outline of the program and how you reason through that um, in your thought process. I think it'd be interesting as, like I said, I really, I like your no, no BS straightforward approach of that.
1: Thank you. Uh, look that that's a man, that's a big question to answer, uh, but thank you. I, it took me a long time to kind of wrestle with this no BS attitude. Um, I was always really worried about offending people. And, like, I don't want to get people offside. And, and like, you, you have to be very careful about that when you're working with professional teams. And I get that. Like, you you got, you know, a brand to represent. And, but I always felt that when you have this label of no BS, of, of calling it like it is, you're a straight shooter. Like, I was just always brought up to be truthful. Like, my, my parents were brutal. In their honesty, but like brutal in the way that it was never ever colored in anything else but just black and white and straight down the line. Um, and it, uh, I'm, I'm just incredibly honest, and I try to take a very objective, scientific brain about it. Like I could tell you, you know, where wearing purple is going to make you ten times more, uh, ten times stronger than if you wore blue, and and I would be. I'd be down the line, brutally honest, and I'd show you the science, but like the minute the science changes, so does my opinion, right? Like I'm purely based on what's producing results, what the literature says, what the the art and the science says. And I think uh, there is something to be said about the science. And I think there is also something to be said about the art. And in between there is that magic place where results are, um, but sadly, everybody needs to have a camp. Everybody needs to, you know, I need to be, you know, especially in the, in the U.S. and Canada, everybody needs to have a political side. And everybody needs to be this or that. When, why can't we just like, why can't we be brutally honest and 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 not pick a side, have good conversation, uh, and look? There, there's a there's many things I've done where I've gotten results with that I've either stumbled on. Uh, I knew exactly what I was doing to get it. And maybe a little bit in between. And and I think we need to be open about that, open about the successes, open about the failures. Um, and I think that honesty has uh, sadly put, two pe- put people in two camps where they either don't like me because I challenge their ideas and they don't like that some goofy, bald Canadian guy – is uh is rubbing them up the wrong way or people are like ah this guy's a breath of fresh air he's speaking some truth and, and again i fit in the middle um but i think you just have to be open and honest and and everything i do uh 99 of the time comes from a good place where i just genuinely want to see people do well you know like mm-hmm. and even if it's competition if if, if the competition there's there's some competition here in Perth who I respect greatly, and respect them highly. And then there's other guys I think are total assets. But if if people are getting results, then I am I'm the cheer squad for it. You know. So I, I think you know I, I appreciate you letting me put that one on the record. Um, how I program my athletes, uh, it it comes from. you've got to have a set of ideals and you've got to have a set of ideas of what the athlete needs. And nine times out of 10, these athletes uh, need to be moving better. And uh, there's a lot to unpack with that one, but you want to keep them as injury free as possible. Um, And injury, like injuries suck, man. Like they, if an athlete hurts themselves, like it, it, it it hurts me. Like you feel like it's, you know, part of your limb or, you know, it's, it's the worst thing, but you know, you, you, you got to do everything you can to bulletproof them as much as you can. And the last one is you've, you have to create an ungodly strong athlete, right? And, and strength training is the foundation is this basis of building an athlete because you can't build an athlete if they're not strong. And I have challenge anybody on that. Like, if you want to develop speed, you have to have strength. If you want to develop power, then obviously strength is foundational to power. You know, have an agility, reaction, quickness—all of these athletic attributes rely on strength. So if you ain't strong, then you kind of you ain't shit, right? And that's like the, the 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 nuts and the bolts of it. And I never met an athlete that was like, you know what, Patrick, like. I'm seriously too strong. Like I'm too strong. I've never met that person because they don't exist. You know, I would rather have too much strength and be in a position where I had to then learn how to harness it, than not be strong enough. So that essentially comes, that becomes the basis of everything I do with an athlete. You know, those are the, the, the principles. Like my, my father always said, methods are many, but principles are few. So the the few principles we develop are they're pillars, right? Um, and then the methods of how about we go how we go about it are are vast. You know, you, you could do general training, supersets, triceps, GBC training, GVT training. Like there are so many methods of training an athlete. Um, you could get lost in them. And again, like if you stick to a particular camp or you. Uh, you fix yourself with a particular ideology, then you've you've already lost. You know, you have to be athlete-centric. The minute a coach changes from being athlete-centric to anything other than athlete-centric, like, you're a schmuck, you know? Um, I had this chat with a guy yesterday, yesterday, actually, um, and he was like, what's your thought on uh, all of these strength coaches just wanting notoriety and, fame and popularity i'm like well well, sadly that's kind of like the microphone guy in um when you're when you're filming a tv show you know the guys with the boom mic that's like those guys trying to get like a feature credit in a film like it ain't gonna happen Mm -hmm. we're behind the scenes and uh, look whether i like it or not it's irrelevant but that's where we live we're We're in the gym, we're in the dungeon, we're on the sidelines, you know, and that's where we belong because that's where we do our best work, you know. Um, And then my job finishes, essentially, my job finishes when the athlete hits the court. Sit back and enjoy the show.
0: No, yeah, that's, um, that's a good summary of. I uh, like how your thought process, um, you're reasoning through things with your No BS approach, and then kind of your, your three pillars, as you call them, with your movement, injury, trying to reduce injuries as much as possible, and focusing on strength there. Uh, I guess going through you know, all the years of coaching experience you have, would you say there's any commonalities you see among basketball players within those three pillars that are things that stand out to you specifically that um, you tr- you focus on quite frequently or you, you think are important to address? Uh, I guess, like I said, within those three pillars of movement, injury, risk, and uh, strength.
1: Boy, that's a tough one. Um I... I found I, you know, I'm gonna. I've got my ear out for this fly that snuck in somewhere. It's gonna <laughs> cop up it, It's gonna have a horrible death in a minute. Um, do you know what I, I? As a as a high performance guy, like I really get off on objective data. Like I like stuff that's really clear and simple and easy to follow. But I think if if if, if I take a step back and, and I and I maybe reverse engineer how i develop an athlete i think that the the biggest things i that have made look i i've trained athletes that we've got them crazy strong and i've and, and some athletes i've had that i've worked with that have hit some ridiculous strength numbers have turned out to be you know not good athletes like just because you can deadlift two and a half times your body weight and, you know, do a chin up for 1.7 times body weight doesn't make you a good athlete. That also being said, like I've known some athletes that are weakest piss that are phenomenal athletes. So I don't think there's, you know, obviously the stronger and the better you move and the more injury free you are, and the better nutrition, better recovery you have. Like you set yourself up for uh, a better chance of being a better athlete, but it's not a one-to-one, um, the athletes that I've seen that have um, made the biggest changes and that are the most successful are the ones that are highly coachable. And it sounds real wanky, like you know, they listen to the coach and they do what they say. Like that's not it at all. It's like if you're coachable, it means that you are you, you give me the respect to listen to me. And you allow me to give you the same respect in questioning the information I gave you. Athletes I still have today, look, there's some of them that, uh, that will call out some of the stuff that I say that like, there's athletes where we, we we've lost uh, ground on a couple of programs because they wanted to try, uh, try a program and, and develop that buy-in to see if I knew what I was talking about. Like, you know, it's not all smooth sailing like everybody lists, listens to to Sean, but um, the the best athletes I've worked with, the ones I have the most fun with, and the ones that that more or less do the best in their field are the ones that are highly coachable, that communicate really well. No, they, they communicate. You know, they, they talk to you, they 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 question, they listen. Um, uh, they're the best ones because if you can get that if you can get them to listen or to buy in or to, to really take what you've given them um, as well as their, 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 their team coaches, physios and everything, everybody else, if if they can take all of that and then uh, they can buy in and 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 buy in doesn't mean that you've convinced them to do something you wanted them to do. It's, you know, they, they accept it. And then they go, like everybody's all in. Um, the athletes that do go all in um after that initial buy-in period uh, are the ones that do the best you know and they're they're the ones that have won the championships um and it's it's not just me like i'm a small cog in the machine that is the athlete you know i'm a small cog like i'm a pretty important one but a small one nonetheless and um you know, so are their, their basketball coaches, their teammates, their physios, their, you know, the, the, the people that set up their, their, their jerseys in the locker rooms. Like, everybody plays a part. So, um, you know, I, I think the, as much as you have these pillars, like, there's a lot more moving parts. There's a lot more subjective stuff that goes into developing an athlete, which I think is arguably just as important.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. It's a, a different take on it because obviously uh, I was you know looking for something more physical, but with the that that's an interesting, like I said. Um
1: I was like that back in the day, <laughs> Patrick. Like I was, you know, I, I I when I started, I just wanted to go, okay, how do I get an athlete better? What lifts do I need to do? What reps and sets and and I think now as I as I become a dad, as my my body starts to age a bit more, as I have no hair because I'm too proud about this bald patch and it's getting a little gray, I I realize that trying to look for those sets and reps and the particular exercises, and as much as that's contradictory to some of the content I put out, you know the 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 content I put out is a snapshot. It's a, it's a snap in time. It's a glimpse. Um, but, you know, I, I always wanted, like, what's the what's the protocol to get an athlete stronger? Like, what are the sets and reps? And what time of day do you need to do it? What color t-shirt do they have to be doing it in? Like, I wanted to know the exact protocols. But, you know, a, a lot of times you can have that protocol and there'll be times I throw it right out the window. Like, you get an athlete in and, you know, you just might not jive. You know, the the magic might not be there or the magic is there and you turn the heat up like you. I've had athletes where we, we came in, they had a light week scheduled and we would do, say, maybe four or five sets of, you know, eight to ten reps. Like wanted to get some, some moderate volume in there, but, you know, nothing incredibly intense, but they just came in like ready to, you know, Take someone's soul from inside them, and I, we just went like we're going heavy. Like, screw this, we're going eight sets of two. Like, well, let's let's turn the heat. So, you, I think as a as a strength coach and as a trainer, it's good to have pillars. It's good to have protocols, but you know, if if, if you follow them blindly, and you follow these doctrines blindly, then yeah, like the only person that misses out is the athletes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think even for coaches and for athletes, I guess is um, that's that's a good point. You know, if, of if if they aren't coachable, as you mentioned, and they aren't willing to communicate, and and the coaches and everyone around them, you know that that's a big big uh, point to help the athlete improve. Um, I guess moving into the the next part of it, kind of more probably that physical as as you are, uh, you said you like objective data, and numbers, et cetera. Uh, what are some aspects of the sport specifically you look to um, improve upon and I guess how do you kind of go about that and is there anything that you have found that you that carries over relatively well to basketball specifically or are you more of just training that athlete to become the best athlete and then letting the rest fall in place
1: that's huge and I want to I want to tackle those I'm writing these down because like I think that that answer I want to give you an answer that tackles that. Do you know the... um, A a mentor of mine and a really good friend of mine now, like he, this guy was a real hero of mine and who's now become quite a really good friend of mine, um, Dr. Stephen Bird. If you think I'm objective and I'm super low, like just nonchalant about a bunch of things, this guy is a thousand times brainier than I am. And he's even more, like, I'm just a casual dude. He's the epitome of like a surfer dude. Like he couldn't be any more casual if he tried. And I remember I asked him this, and, and I said, like, we're, we're asking the same question. He's like, just watch the game. Watch the sport. Watch, watch how they play the game, and then reverse engineer that, you know, um, and understand the game. So if someone comes to me that is like, let's use basketball, but you could insert soccer and AFL, Australian football and gridiron, NFL, all this kind of stuff. You kind of have to understand, if you understand the game, you don't have to know the the insides and outs, but you understand the game. Like you can, you can become pretty cool. Um, So like with a basketball player, like you want to get them fit. Like there's no point in doing three kilometer time trials because they're not going to be running three kilometers in a at a time, the court's 30 meters long and 15 meters wide. So by the time they get anywhere near top speed, they got to slow down. So that gives you your first hint as to what you do for strength training, and speed training, and agility. So it, it becomes almost an enlightening process of if you understand the sport, uh, there's a good chance that you can then make. Training and programming relevant to what they do. Same with uh, NFL. Like you got five thousand different positions. Um, so you know how long the the, the the field is. You know how wide it is. It's deceptively not that wide. Um, and you have a whole bunch of big guys that hit people, and then you have a whole bunch of scrawny guys that run and try to outrun those big guys. So you can then reverse engineer those to make training and programming relevant uh so to answer your question the stuff that that i do is like i watch the sport i'm an avid fan of of basketball i I watch it i study it heck i even landed a gig this season as as like a complete mickey like taking the mickey to commentate some of the nbl1 games out here in western australia like i just threw it look honestly i did it just to try and get out of the house so i had an excuse to be out of the house with my kids crying and whatnot and they were like, yeah, cool. you like, sounds good. You do it. So I'm a big fan of the sport. Um, that's the first part of your question. What was the second part?
0: Um, and then I guess when training athletes carry over wise, do you focus on anything for basketball specifically that you, you think carries over well, or are you more training the individual athlete in general and then letting the rest fall in place?
1: Brilliant. Uh, so – when I first started as a strength coach or learning to become a strength coach, I should say, I, I studied a lot under Charles Poliquin. I did a lot of seminars and work with Andre Benoit, um, John Connor, Owen Lacey, all of these guys, uh, Luke Lehman, all of these guys had had done work in sort of the Poliquin world that um, taught the Poliquin way, but were all really Quality free thinkers. Um, and I, rem- I remember vividly, and I have the notes that's somewhere here in the library behind me, um, where Andre was talking about his time as a Winter Olympian and talking about uh, predictor lifts. So there's particular lifts that transfer to particular sports better than others based on the positioning in which you apply force. So um, from memory, uh, you know a, a, a front squat is going to be far more relevant to the bobsleigh than a back squat, simply because you're going to be pushing weight out in front of you and in an angle that mimics and replicates a front squat better than a back squat. Would you agree?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. And I remember Andre and Oh and John and Charles talking about uh, all of the data they've seen over the years and and how they've come up with particular numbers that are the predictor lift percentages that you kind of want to aim for, Uh, and that had a phenomenal effect on my career path in terms of I wanted to kind of create my own, not because I wanted to become another Charles, but. Charles gave me the brainstorm of, okay, I've got to start collecting information if I'm going to have, you know, make decisions that are relevant to to the sport. So, um, like, for instance, the one exercise that transfers to basketball really well is a hex bar deadlift, simply because the position of the hex bar, when you initiate the lift, transfers really nicely to what basketball players know is that triple threat position, which is the shoot dribble pass. Um, but it also re- replicates, you know, it's very, very good for it. Not replicates, it transitions really well to your vertical jump. You know, the initial position you need to be in to create your first, you know, uh, zero to five steps. Um, it's the position you want to be in if you want to really start to generate a lot of lateral movement. Um, and over the years like i have zero scientific proof to back it up but we've found that particularly with um, basketball players to have some relevance in speed and jump jumping change of direction like you need to have a minimum of a double body weight hex bar deadlift like just to start with and a lot of people are, would go oh well that's not very much like that's not a lot like well no like comparatively to other sports like that's not a lot of weight but not about not a lot of other sports have the same lever and lever lengths and limb lengths that basketball players have like if you're a daddy long legs like you're you're going to have a hard time lifting weight compared to you know uh, someone who's an awful lot shorter like a power lifter so again you got to you got to have context. And you've got to sort of flesh this stuff out, and educating the athletes makes it really easy for them to then go and try to tackle a double body weight. Um, because if you're going to create some element of uh, plyometric strength, then you've got to be in a position to produce an awful lot of force. You know, I get really pissy when I see people do box jumps all the time, like jumping onto a box doesn't translate to much you know and you see those really you've seen it too Patrick Like you've seen those guys that have got like 700 meter high plyometric boxes and they try to jump and they've got their knees higher than their head when they jump onto the box like that doesn't transfer to shit you know but what your so like when people go yeah I've got a 46 inch vert no you got a 46 inch box jump Jock strap. like you don't have a (laughs) you don't have that kind of vert um But when you start to understand the anatomy behind your connective tissue and uh, the energy systems behind uh, explosive power, like then you realize, okay, I need to be lifting some serious weight to have that transfer to my plyometrics. Mm -hmm. That'd be one of them.
0: That'd
1: be one of them, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Um, now I guess kind of summarizing uh, all that with, you are objective, but when you do kind of bring it back to the very basics of just initially observing and understanding the sport. Um, and then once you kind of do that, then you apply all the rest of of the knowledge and, and the information that you have. And then when training for carryover or specificity, I guess, obviously it's, there's some things that are more specific, but it is still a general strength that you're focusing on. It's nothing super specific, I guess, as you said, um, I guess, being really
1: simple about it is, is so much more valuable than trying to be complex. Like if it becomes a, like a, a, a measuring contest between strength coaches, right? Where like who's more scientific or who's got the more complicated answer? Like cool, you can fight over it. But the more Dr. Seuss you can make a training program or the information you give somebody – like the better they're going to be able to handle it. You can have the most complicated strength training program slash structure imaginable, right? And it might be pretty amazing. But if I can green eggs and ham your training program, like you're going to, like even that rhyme, that was pretty awesome. Like you, if you do that, it's going to be so much more effective. You know, simple always wins.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Always wins. You know, but – your job as the high performance guy or girl and your job as the strength coach is you need to know the devil, uh, of the details. You need to know the, the, the methods and the madness that's in there. Like it's your job to know that nerdy stuff, but it's then also your job to give them the, the the very, very simple picture book version.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, Diving into a little bit more, I guess programming specific stuff here. Next couple of questions. With keeping it simple, but applying the scientific knowledge, how do you have any specific outcome measures or th- ways you test your athletes for performance um, that that you find really beneficial? And if so, kind of what are they and why do you do them?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we have a my colleague and I, um, West Salisbury who's the strength coach. He's just about to finish his PhD, and he's like in his mid-20s. He's a freaking baby, and he's about to become a doctor. Um, he and I do an awful lot of work together in uh, consulting out for companies to do combats. So we'll look at, um, particularly for basketball, we'll look at, um, we measure their vertical jump, their zero to five, 0 to 10, 0 to 20 sprint speed. Um, We do the 505 test, um, 505 agility test when it's actually a change of direction test. It's not agility whatsoever. Um, Excuse me. I uh, I will test and try to find a true 1RM in their hex bar deadlift, in their hang power clean, Matt uh either depending on how they're feeling or how i'm feeling we we will look at either max reps or a one r m of their chin up uh we'll do a one rep max of their incline bench press which then I usually calculate down or up to a to a regular bench press depending on um and then the other one we 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 work with with basketball players is is their skin folds is body composition Um, i we take 12 sites based on the, the bio signature method that Charles taught us back in the day, but I don't use body fat percentages. I will use total millimeters. Sorry. just like someone's just pissed my nose off. I am. Um, I will. I will look at total mills. I don't look at body fat percentage um, because. And, and yes, I can hear everybody be like, but Sean, like, skin folds are highly subjective. Yeah, I get it. Like I totally get there's human error. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you know, cost wise and speed wise, um, skin folds work. They work really, really well. And the uh, caliber of the practitioner will relate to the quality and precise, uh, precise nature of the skin fold. So the more you do, the better you get. And, and, and I will, I full well know that there's human error. I get that. Um, but I will look at total mills millimeters for the twelve sites. Uh, so, with any basketball player sub one hundred is the bare minimum we want to get people to sub one hundred mils. Um, because fat basketball players don't work. Like you know, fat doesn't fly. Fat doesn't run fast. You know, um, you know, it's an anaerobic based sport. But uh, the the, the skinfold body composition is, is is a huge one.
0: Yeah, no, and that definitely goes with the kind of the key pillars that you mentioned before with the strength parameters as well and and the things you measure. Uh, Mentioned plows a couple times. How do you train plows specifically? Do you have a general approach to them? And, yeah, because obviously obviously basketball players are jumping all the time. I guess what is your take on plows and how do you train those, specifically the basketball players, because that is a massive component of
1: basketball. That is a brilliant question. Uh, I reckon plyometrics are overdone. Hugely overdone, right? Like it is a high, it's the highest of intensities that you produce in a lift, in a movement, I should say. Um, and then people get you like, we're going to do four sets to you know, 10 box jumps. Like you're going to jump 40 times that is a massive load on your body, a huge load on your connective tissue, on your nervous system. Like if you're doing it right, plyometrics should be massively taxing. Um, What happens with plyometrics is it becomes uh, too fitnessy. Like people just start jumping for the sake of jumping Um, and, or the athlete and coach or coach uh, gets super competitive and will, miss a jump and we'll do everything and anything to just try and get it. You know, um, like when you, when you're testing a, a vertical jump on a vertex, like an athlete will reach their one rep max and they will not stop till they get just there, that next one, you know, on the, on the rung. And, you know, lo and behold, when they get that last one, they want to try and get the last, last one. So um, I think plyometrics are over, overdone. I think the, you need to have some level, high level of strength before you should start tackling plyometrics, um, because then that makes plyometrics um, uh, more beneficial. You get more bang for your buck if you're sh- if you've got a higher level of strength, and then when you go and apply yourself into plyometrics. Um, sadly, plyometrics is a very sexy. Exciting thing for coaches to do because it gets the athlete really excited. It's super cool for social media, um, and it uh, it gets people really, really excited. I, I think it's a you know it's it's a false positive. It's it's overdone, uh, but it is essential when work, when working with athletes, um, and uh, we don't do we. We will only do box jumps where the focus is on the takeoff or the landing could not give a hoot how high you're jumping at the moment because it, like, the, the box is absolutely irrelevant in terms of how high you're jumping. Um, I'll do plyometrics in, uh, in bounding, so I'll have a bunch of hurdles where, again, couldn't give two hoots about the height I care about the arm swing. I care about the body position or in the quick contact time when you hit the ground, um, uh, how you manage balance in the air, how you manage your balance when you hit the ground. Um, so I'm looking for an awful lot of things completely external to how high your box jump is. Um, the other part is, um, like get athletes doing plyometrics, uh, put it in the right context. But get athletes doing plyometrics with the ball in their hand. Like get them doing plyometrics on the court. Like nothing replicates putting on some basketball shoes, getting the ball in your hand, feeling the wood underneath your uh, underneath your feet. Like there's nothing to replicate plyometric ability for a basketball player than on a basketball court. You know, and that's, you can do jump shots, you can do step backs, you can do layups, you can do dunks, you can, you know, do what you can do, get them to do as high a jump as they can and you hit them while they're in the air and they have to then control their landing on the way down. You know, it's not just about developing this ever elusive unicorn 40 inch box jump, right? Uh, 40 inch vertical, I should say. Um, But the true... A, a, a true plyometric ability comes from having a high level and a high base level of, of strength. And as a coach, you can use plyometric training um, in a thousand and one weird, wonderful ways to be beneficial to the athlete um, outside of that real, true plyometric ability. You can use it. You can use other other uh, avenues of it to, to your benefit.
0: Yeah, so it is it is beneficial. It's just... Usually, some a lot of times taken out of context, and there's a lot more to focus on than just the height of a of a jump, I guess. Uh, you mentioned two injuries as one of your pillars. What specifically do you try and focus on the most with your athletes to try and again help decrease risk as much as possible, or or things you focus on along those lines?
1: Well, Patrick, we try and keep them injury free. Like <laughs> injuries suck. Um. It, so those those essential pillars that you that you're holding me to, and I'm, I'm happy with them, but they'll probably change tomorrow morning. But <laughs> those those pillars, you can't have one without the other. They're 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 all mutually inclusive in some particular way. Um. You know, the stronger the athlete, the more injury free they are. You know, and the more injury free you are, it's probably because you move better. You can have a bunch of different alternative ways of how you put those three together. Um, but yeah, everything is done around making sure that they're they're not injured, like managing niggles, managing their recovery, and talking to them about how they're feeling. Look at their wellness scores. Look at uh, look at their tonnage. You know, look at. Uh, how they're feeling, ask them, geez, Louise, like we can look at all the data all we want, but like there's nothing replaces talking to an athlete about how they feel. Um, but everything is, you uh, are really, you're, you're testing me now in terms of going through my brain in terms of the guy that said it, I will find it and we can attach it to the show notes later. I forget it, it was a college coach. Um, And it's very, very poignant for this answer, which is, uh, and I paraphrase, you doesn't really matter how strong you are or how amazing your jump shot is or anything in between. You know, the color of skin, the color of the jersey you wear, the sound of your voice, your gender, where you're born, doesn't matter. None of that stuff's relevant because the only abilities that you need are durability and availability. So an athlete, that, like particularly in the NBA, if you can handle 82 games a season, if you can suit up for every single one of them, I tip my hat. Like 82 games in a short period of time is incredible. And then you've got the potential of having over another 40 games if you go to seven-game series for the whole finals. So you're you're playing some serious basketball. So durability is huge. And the other one's availability. You know, if you can't play it and show up and suit up, then an athlete on the court is far better than an athlete on the bench. And I would rather an athlete get five minutes of game time every single game than have a cracking first three or four rounds, you know, 10 rounds of basketball and then be, Uh, seated for the for for the rest of the season you know you're just an expensive polo shirt really so um yeah durability and availability and i uh, it breaks my heart i can't even remember the, the the coach's name that said it but uh those are the most basic fundamental properties that you need to work for as a strength coach and as an athlete you need to make sure that those are the highest priorities on your list.
0: Mm -hmm. And do you have anything, I guess, specific that you usually recommend to help with those or um, just kind of getting folks in the whole process and and going from there?
1: Oh um, yeah. Look, I don't know. I, I think those, those two in terms of durability and availability are very much the sum of, of everything else, you know, listening to your coach, listening to your body, um, doing the strength training, getting to bed on time, turning off your phone, eating right. Like they're the, the sum of all these parts equal, you know, some level of durability and availability. Um, but I think the, like the, the athletes that do the best are, are ones that can juggle all of that stuff. You know, you don't have to juggle it well. You just have to be able to juggle it in some capacity. Um, uh, but the whole point is to keep them injury free and keep them on the court you know because mm. uh, look at in the most stripped down way you're helping an athlete do what they love which is play the sport so give them that courtesy of working your tail off to allow them to have fun on the court and you'll have fun watching them you know like I think a lot of strength coaches would feel very embarrassed to admit this but I'm very proud of it. I live vicariously through my athletes. I love it. I absolutely watch. I love watching them play and them succeeding. And I'm there when they, if and when they fail. Uh, I, I'm literally there at the drop of a hat if they ever injure themselves or hurt themselves. Like heaven forbid. Like you ride the highs and you you're with them in the lows. Um, and the, the, the strength coaches and the high performance cats that do that. Uh, you're you're really old. You're you're never gonna be in positions where you you go without work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Great summary, and appreciate literally everything that uh, everything you said and all the knowledge you shared on, on this episode. So, I guess thank you very much for taking the time and beyond. If you wouldn't mind, would would you? Uh, share where people can follow you, get your information, contact you, etc. cetera, or, um, join if they would like to. And then um, I'll attach all that in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. So uh, you can find uh, me on, uh, on Instagram uh, and all the other socials. It's uh, one of the same of at coach Connolly uh, or at coach underscore uh, There's coachconnelly.com.au. Um, we're in the process of developing a really schmick website for Land Performance Center, but you can find us on all the other socials for Land Performance Center. Um, but, uh, but Patrick, I really pre- appreciate you having me, listening to this goofball ramble on for a little while. Thank you for, for giving me a, uh, some airway, an airplay, I should say, to, to hopefully you know inspire somebody else to, to challenge somebody else's
0: thinking. I, I, I really appreciate it. No, thank you very much again. And again, I'll put all those in the show. Thank you for listening to No Week Links. If you'd enjoyed the show and would be able to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be much appreciated as it would help the show reach more people. I also provide free strength and conditioning content and injury rehabilitation content on Instagram at Coach Patrick Wood. On my website, www.Patrick-Wood.com. All this information can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening.